Theatrical Shenanigans with Max Thomas. Hello, greetings, welcome and Happy New Year to you wherever you are. Thank you for joining us for Curtain Up on our very first episode of Theatrical Shenanigans. As this is the first episode, I will tell you a bit about the show and a bit about myself. I am Rachel Feeney-Williams and I have been an independent playwright for about 12 years and I have a catalogue of 167 plays, but that's not what you're here to listen to. When lockdown first hit, I started looking into the world of playwriting with a little bit more vigour, let's say, and I had the joy to discover there are thousands of wonderful playwrights out there, so I decided I would create something to celebrate them, hence theatrical shenanigans. Every fortnight you will hear a different audio play by playwrights from all across the world followed by a little bit of chat with a guest because well otherwise you'd have to listen to me drone on. This week with it being my first show I thought I'd bring in a guest who is very special to me. He is the man who inspired me to create this podcast so if you have any complaints feel free to write to him. He also lives in Devon, where I am based. He is a theatrical lover and enthusiast. He is my friend, Max Thomas. Welcome, Max. Hello, hello. And uh, yeah, if you want to write to me, it's uh, complaints at rachel.com. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us for our first show. So if we don't have an audience after this one, well, at least we had just the one. Yeah, I'll be watching it. Um, absolutely. All the family. <laughs> we must be able to get up to all friends. Three. We must be able to get up to three, I reckon. Well, if we can get up to three, maybe five, I'll be very, very happy. <laughs> So obviously I've known you for quite a few years and I know you have a love of, I suppose, is it theatre or is it just the audio side of things? Yeah, I think just stories as a whole, you know, stories are an amazing medium to tell history, to the human experience. They're just a wonderful way to enjoy your time. So theatre is obviously part of that. But yeah, I love stories. And you've obviously got little ones. So are trips to theatres very common? I mean, we've just had Christmas. Did you... Is it a panto or is that not really your thing? No, we try and do panto every year if we can. <laughs> so we're quite lucky. So in Tiverton, they've got a really little amateur Amdram theatre that they do every year. So we try and go and join their panto just because, you know, it's nice to support someone local that's doing stuff. And they write the plays themselves as well. And it, lots of local comedy that's get built into it. So we try and do that with the whole family, which for us is quite a lot of people. So we've got yeah. grandparents, children's great grandparents and all sorts that, that come along to that. And the children are old enough now. So seven and four, you know, they, they understand a little bit around what's going on. My oldest, though, shouts when it's like a story he knows and goes, that's not what happens. <laughs> well, I suppose in a way, these actors are expected to think on their feet when those kinds of things happen. So it seems he's educating them for them. They are, yeah. You're doing it wrong. Maybe there's the director's future for him there. <laughs> well, with the introductions to myself and Max out of the way, we now move to our very first piece of theatrical shenanigans. And it is a homegrown piece. By that, I mean written by me. But you only have the one, I promise. The play is called Mother Knows Best, and it tells the story of Dickie, or Richard, who's lived under the formidable shadow of his mother, Rosemary, for his entire life. But on the day of her funeral, she decides she's not quite finished with him yet. Theatrical Shenanigans presents Mother Knows Best by Rachel Feeney-Williams. Yes, thank you so much for coming. No, that that's fine, I can manage. Yeah, bye. 
She... She really is gone. What do I do now? I've never had this much freedom before. And, and now I'm talking to myself, which is... Well, never a good sign. But I'm free. <laughs> free to move out, get my own place. Or, well, at least free to redecorate. No more... No more having a place for everything. No more... Everything a certain way. I... I could even... Well, I could sit in a chair. Dickie, darling. I can't seem to find my reading glasses, dear. I know I had them when I was reading that delightful novel the other day. What was it called now? M Mother? No, that wasn't it. I was done with those dreary things a while ago. It was something about a duke. Or was it a marquis? Anyway, it was frightfully good and I'm dying to finish it. Uh, interesting turn of phrase. Oh, well, if I can't find it, you'll just have to finish reading it to me and... What on earth are you staring at? Uh, well... Diggy, I have told you so many times that it is rude to stare. Is it any wonder you've not got a girlfriend if all you do is stare at them all day? I'm sure they'll find it very unsettling, you know. Uh, mother In my day, there was the after-conversation, of course. Mother! Richard Andrew Moray. I know you did not just use that tone with me. I, I'm sorry, Mother, but... Uh... But what? There is no excuse for rudeness. Not in my house. Well, but that's just it, Mother. It's not your house anymore. Oh, really? And whose house do you suppose it is? Uh, well, mine, because... Well, you, you're dead. I could do with a nice pot of tea. What do you think, dear? Didn't you hear me, Mother? You're dead. Yes, dear, I know. You know? Of course. I know you always wrote me off as this frustratingly incompetent old woman. Well, that's not true. But I certainly know my current life status. But why are you here? Tea first, dear, then explanations. Uh, well, deads don't eat. Or drink, mother. Oh, hogwash. It will take more than a fatal heart attack to make me decline a cup of tea. Now... Run along. But, Mother... I said, run along. Yes, Mother. Making tea for my dead mother. Nothing odd about that in the slightest. It's very rude to mutter, Dickie. I can see you've not done the clearing up after the funeral. Well, it has only just finished, Mother. Don't make excuses, Dickie. What have I always said? You can always tell class by cleanliness. Precisely. Just because I'm no longer living doesn't mean I'm prepared to let standards slip. Oh, perish the thought. What was that? Oh, nothing, Mother. Ah, oh, you used a young-looking picture of me. Very diplomatic. Uh, Aunt Alice found it for me. Yes. Well, it's about time that old trout did something right. Mother, she's your sister. Dickie, as I have told you many times before, one cannot choose one's relatives. Just ask the royals. I'm sure we'll discuss it at our tennis game next week. Don't be sarcastic, Dickie. It's a very unattractive quality in a man. You'll never find a wife if you're sarcastic all the time. Of course, it wouldn't have anything to do with my mother's ghost living with me. Were there many people there? What? At the funeral. Could could you not 
Or see it? Well, I was a little busy making sure I was presentable enough to return, dear. Yes, about that. I, I was just uh, curious about why you're here, Mother. It's my house. I'm entitled to be here. Well... Be dead doesn't change your rights. Not these days. I'm not sure that's true, Mother. Well, regardless, I'm staying. It's not like you'd have me cast out by some ghost hunter. No, of course not. I should think not. There is a chip in this cup, Dickie. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother. I'll go and get another one. No, no, it's fine. No sense in wasting good tea. But I'm serious, Dickie. These standard slips will not be allowed to continue. <sighs> Understood, Mother. Aren't you going to try your tea, Mother? Huh? Don't be silly, Dickie. I can't drink tea. I'm dead. Then why, why do Tea you... is a tradition of Britain, and I will never be accused of not upholding the tradition, even if it is not in the traditional capacity. Right. So? So? What happens now? Why should anything need to happen now? Well, you, you can't... Can't what? Stay in my own home? You don't need a home anymore, Mother. You know, you're dead. Oh, I see. Just because I'm dead means it no longer warrants my son looking after me. No, Mother, that's, that's not what I meant. There is really no talking to you while you're behaving in this manner, Dickie. I shall go and have a lie-down in my room, and when I return, I trust you'll be more reasonable. Mother! Oh, God, what now? Charlotte? Hi. Oh, please, come in. I didn't want to disturb you, but... Oh, no. No disruption at all. Please go through. I can't believe you're here. Are you sure I'm not disturbing you? Oh, no. I, I was just uh, making myself tea. Would you like some? Yeah, sounds lovely. Um, how come you made two cups? Oh, uh, <laughs> habits, I guess. Uh, so used to making one for me and... Uh... How are you doing with all that? Uh, oddly enough, it's like she's still here, in a way... Yeah, I can understand that. You can? And you're doing much better than me. It was like that when my grandfather died. For months we could swear we still smelt his tobacco. Turns out we just needed to change the curtains in his bedroom. Well, this is, uh, well, something like that. You know, I never understood why she insisted on bringing out tea before people when... There were only ever the two of you here. <laughs> Always be prepared for company is... was Mother's motto. She was almost a woman of a different time, don't you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All plain of existence. Sorry? Uh, nothing. Milk? Sugar? Just milk, please. The same as always. Yeah, I, I still can't believe you're here. Well, it has been five years. Bound to be a bit of a shock. Not the most shocking revelation I've had today. No, of course not. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. I mean, I know.
know she and I never saw eye to eye. Didn't? Seriously? What? Richard, from the moment I stepped into this house, your mother decided I wasn't good enough for you, and, and she did everything in her power to drive me away. She did? You had to have known. No, I... I didn't. I still can't believe you lived here as long as you did. She used to drive you by me. <laughs> yes, still does. What? Uh, nothing. Well, despite everything that she put me and you through, she was still your mum, so I wanted to come and see and make sure you were okay. Thanks. That's really good of you. So, um, what are you going to do now? Now? Well, you must have some ideas for this old place. Oh, I, I hadn't really thought. Oh, come on. There's not one thing you knew you'd immediately do once she was gone. Well... Oh, I know. What? We could always sit in her chair. Oh, uh, Of course uh, you get first refusal. Nope, that's quite okay. Really? Well, if you won't... Charlotte, no! Well, Richard, it's just a chair. I know. And it's not like your mother is here to sit in it anymore. Well... Diggy, darling. Who are you shouting at? That was so not funny. <laughs> I only wish it was. What? Trust me, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. You're not making sense, Richard. Maybe you should just go. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me... Is everything all right, Dick? What, what is, is she, she doing, doing here? here? Wait, you can see her? Of course I can see her. Oh, thank God. Then she's not some... Manifestation of unresolved psychological issues? Certainly not, and I'd appreciate you not associating me with such twaddle. Oh, here we go. Charlotte, dear, I'm quite surprised to find you back here. Trust me, Rosemary, the feeling is mutual. If you've come to dig your claws back into my son and take over my house, then I'm afraid you're in for a disappointment. Mother! Because Dickie is going to be staying here and keeping his mother company in her afterlife. I... Wait, wait, I am? Of course, darling. You can't be serious. Deadly. Pardon the pun. You can't do this to Richard. Oh, don't be silly. He's more than happy to look after his mother, aren't you, Dickie, dear? Richard, you are the only one who has ever called him Dickie. And you know what, Rosemary? He can't stand it. Is this true? Well, I... Oh, for God's sakes, Richard, grow a pair, will you? Young lady, I will not have that kind of language in my house. Well, it's not exactly your house, mother. Oh, be quiet, Dickie. We're talking. Don't speak to him like that. This isn't five years ago, Rosemary. I'm not afraid of you, and I don't have to play nice with a dead woman. You hear that? She's threatening me. Why are you even here? Weren't the gates of hell ready for you? Charlotte! I'm sorry, Richard, but you cannot allow this... Ugh, your mother to take over your life in her afterlife. You are owed a life of your own. I've never stopped him having a life of his <laughs> own. I'm sorry, what? You kept him an emotional prisoner after his father died. I don't want to discuss this. You took advantage of Richard's guilt. He never took holidays. He barely held together a job. He had no friends, and he was never allowed any relationships. <laughs> I wouldn't call yours a relationship. More of a mistake. Mother, enough! Richard, Andrew... No! I'm speaking now. Charlotte's right. I never had my own life while you were alive. You know that. Well, I... Mother! After I lost your father, I didn't want to lose you too. Well, that was never going far away. I just wanted you to be safe. 
And at home was the safest place for you. Oh, for God's sakes, Rosemary, you live in Devon, not purgatory. This is not your concern. Well, I'm making it her concern. What? Mother, why are you here? Well, I told you, darling. No, just tell me the truth. I wasn't ready to go. What? I had so much left that I wanted to do. Wanted to... wanted to do? Mother, you're 78 and you haven't left the house in decades. Well, maybe I had more to teach you. Rosemary, as much as it pains me to admit, you couldn't have taught Richard better. Really? Certainly. On the rare occasion I got him out, Charlotte. all of my friends would talk about how nice and polite he was. Such a gentleman. Better than any of the loudmouths they went out with. I mean, they wouldn't know manners if it bit them on the balls. Well, I appreciate the compliment, my dear. Even if the imagery is a little graphic. You know Richard is ready for this. You can be at peace now. Go and rest. Be with your husband. Could I not get to resting and just leave it there? Mother! I'm joking, dear. I really do love this house, you know. I know. Promise me something. Uh, anything. Maybe you should hear what she wants first. Charlotte? No, she's quite right. Always had her head screwed on right. I always liked that about you. You did? Certainly. You were a beautiful and clever young woman who my son was clearly in love with. Why do you think I tried so hard to drive you away? Oh, you did what? Oh, don't start, dear. I'm sorry for the past, but let's leave it dead and buried. Pardon the pun. She's right. Bygones be bygones and all that. <sighs> Fine. <sighs> what is it you wanted me to promise? Don't sell the house. I mean, unless you can't avoid it. You may find some woman and have 16 children, in which case things might get a little squashed. <laughs> yeah, all right. I won't sell. But I'm going to redecorate. Well, I suppose I can accept that. You were a wonderful son, Richard. Yes, well, that's quite enough of that. I should be going. I suspect it will be you taking care of him now. Well... Oh, really, you young people don't know the first thing about love. Make sure you replace that cup. I will. It was nice to see you again, Rosemary. Yes, you too, dear. Oh, and I wouldn't wait too long, Richard, dear. These older ladies have a louder tick on their biological clock, you know. Doodaloo! So? So? Well, what happens now? Well, <laughs> I know one thing I want to do. Oh, yes? Burn that bloody chair!
So there you have it, our first audio play here on Theatrical Shenanigans with Pixie Frost as Richard, Alicia Harding as Charlotte and Fiona Lushman as Rosemary. So Max, first instant impressions, what do you think? Very funny, just very (laughs) funny. Just little twists in there that you don't necessarily expect that people don't respond in the way that you expect. And it's always, so often you can see, you know, the path that the pattern the story's gonna take and that story did not follow those normal patterns in hilarious ways. Well, I can't imagine anyone would consider it normal for the ghost of their mother to be appearing in their living room on the day of her funeral, no less. No, it's it's very, very odd. Yes. I mean, for me, ghost stories have always been about the why the ghost has returned. And obviously in this particular piece, having kind of hashed it out over 15, 20 minutes or so, Rosemary does eventually reveal that her reason is simply because she wants to protect her son, which I thought was actually quite sweet in the end, despite the strange way she goes about it. And, you know, I suppose, you know, that that is all parents through and through. They're always trying to do their best, you know, no matter how badly it might go, because, you know, they're learning just as long as you are learning. But yeah, that absolutely it all comes from a great place, which was lovely to kind of see in that story, even though there was some other emotions hidden behind it. I do have a question. Yes. That I need to know the answer to. Right. So Rosemary always put out four cups of tea, even if there's only two people. Did she have her parents in the house with her as well? I don't no think they saw? were there with her as such. Um, not in the same way that she is there in front of Dickie. Um, but I do feel that her upbringing would have been kind of ingrained into her. So her parents would have always had, you know, neighbours or the vicar and his wife or important people over for tea. So there would always have been four cups and four saucers. And that was her childhood and her growing up. And that is what she's kind of ingrained into her son. So it's more a pattern of behaviour. But it's a very interesting premise, the idea that this whole house is just being haunted by various generations of this family. Yeah, I, was, I, was like, I wondered whether it was like a bit like nesting dolls. Like, how far back does it go? Like, actually, <laughs> is it, are there other people there? Like, how many are in this house? Yeah, and you can only see them if you're the immediate generation after. So, if Rosemary stood there talking to the ghosts of her dead parents, Dickie's got no idea who she's talking to. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't see that she was going to uh, being dead, which we can say now everyone else has heard it as well. So, like, yes. the fact the fact that she was dead was definitely the first twist for him. I certainly laughed out loud at that point. We actually had a live production of this show back in October with my local um, Amdram group based in Exton. And the characters, or the actors, I should say, were the same ones that produced the audio as produced the live. And Pixie Frost, who played um, Dickie, had such amazingly expressive facial expressions that obviously you can't see in audio. So the fact that he was able to bring the part to life just as much as he had done live on stage, as with the others, was just brilliant. And as you said, it caused you to laugh out loud, which is just so wonderful to know. Yeah, definitely. The the, the acting, the voice acting came to life at that point. And you've got so many different relationships as well. You've got the obviously formidable relationship between Rosemary and Richard. I keep calling him Dickie. I really should stop doing that. (laughs) No, well, clearly you're the mother. Clearly. (laughs) Yes, clearly. I've channeled my inner Rosemary. I think for me, though, the reason behind that is because when the play started, when I first started writing it, the first thing that came to me was Rosemary's opening line. And I kind of channeled a bit of hyacinth bouquet in the whole you know dicky darling now you um, said hyacinth bouquet i can absolutely see the channeled energy of a hyacinth bouquet <laughs> through her yes yeah, it's very rude to mutter dicky <laughs> no but, i mean you have these amazing relationships you have the 
obviously fear um, relationship between Rosemary and Richard. You have the complexity of ex-partners between Richard and Charlotte. And then the just downright hostility between uh, Charlotte and Rosemary. I mean, I try not to talk too much about it because obviously it is my play and it's just a inflative sense of ego at certain points. <laughs> the, the the great thing, I think, is that you absolutely capture some voices. So it doesn't sound... When you listen to something that's poorly done, it just sounds like the same person talking, even if it's a different voice. Whereas yeah. there are some clear, distinct voices within the characters. There's only three. So much happens in like, what was it, 15 minutes? It's a really short mm. little snippet of, of a play. You're, you're tied in, you're invested, you want to know what's going to happen next. And, you know, to be able to do that in 15 minutes, I think is absolutely amazing. So, you know, well done to you to writing it and absolutely to the actors to, to performing it in a way where everything is captured. Because, yeah, I definitely missed out on getting to see the live version, but I don't feel like that after listening to it. So well done to all of them as well. There you go. Glowing recommendations from Max for Mother Knows Best, our first audio piece on theatrical shenanigans. Max, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks, Rachel. Goodbye. So there you go. The first episode of Theatrical Shenanigans done and dusted. But don't worry, we'll be back again in a fortnight with another great audio play, this time from an American playwright and another guest to discuss it with. In the meantime, if you have enjoyed the show today, then make sure you like and follow our Facebook page, which can be found under Theatrical Shenanigans. All episodes are also available on rss.com, so if you miss an episode, then you can easily catch up. But until next time, I'm Rachel Feeney-Williams, this is Theatrical Shenanigans, bringing down the curtain and saying thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us next time. Theatrical Shenanigans was an RFW Scripts production with music written and produced by Chris Cody. 